Tell you what, when you uh, get to be in ministry uh, a while and you get a chance to go and uh, um, go on mission trips and, and make connections and things, uh, your life really, it, it really adds value to your life. Um, 2007, we went to England at basketball camps. Um, Kurt was there with us, and uh, we were in Nuneaton, but we were staying in a place called Canic, Canic Chase, and the pastor of a church there is named Damian Pickett, and Damian's son came to the basketball camps. We kept wondering about it. I wondered about him all week long because he drank Coke like I've never seen anybody drink Coke. <laughs> And he's out there running and trying to learn basketball, and he's drinking that Coke. I thought, this kid's going to get sick. But he didn't. He, he, he must have a cast iron stomach. I think his daddy does too, yeah. <laughs> um, so that was 2007. Uh, I got to go, had a chance in, I think it was 2009, 2008 or 2009, to go back over, and I spoke at a youth camp. And I'm surprised they survived my speaking over there. But um, once again, we connected and uh, with Damien and then in 2012 the Olympics were in London and you guys know I have kind of like these big dreams big visions of things I like I thought we could get every church over there at the Olympics witnessing and everything and it really didn't happen because it's kind of the Olympics were coinciding with youth camp and everything else but there was one guy that would said yeah come on we'll we'll work something out and uh, I think he's we just he just wanted us to come to do his vacation bible school <laughs> And, uh, <clears throat> but we did, we did his vacation Bible school and, and, uh, let me tell you, it was an interesting vacation Bible school. Uh, I'll let him tell you a little bit more of that. Let me tell you, it, it started off a little dark, a little bleak, but God got incredible glory through that week. Started off, we're going to do it in the morning. We ended up in going two a day for a while. We went to go, we went to, uh, old Tratford stadium in Manchester, England. That's where, um, uh, Man U plays, if you're a soccer fan, or football there. Um, we were able to, man, we had uh, bracelets, tracks, hacky sacks. We have this huge, big soccer ball in the colors of the wordless book. Um, I know it was over a 1,000 pieces of things that we got out and handed. Uh, Ruth Ann was witnessing to ladies in full burkas. Um, I was had some Chinese guys, and kids were everywhere. And you know, usually when you hand out tracks, you see them laying all over the ground. We saw none of what we did. God really blessed that. And to top it off, he let us go see the U.S. women beat up on the North Koreans in soccer. <laughs> and then Damien and his son and Zach, we w went back to watch the USA work on the Canadian, and that was like Canadian women, and that was like double overtime or I don't know what they could. It was, it was great. We were sitting with a bunch of Canadians, and we had our American flags, and I don't think they were real happy with us, but we won. <laughs> so we've had a lot of great experiences together, and um, they've enriched our lives. And I want to let you know, he's one of the, uh, a dear friend in the ministry, and I want him to come up now. He's going to preach. He's going to tell you a little about England. Um, I'll let him, whatever he wants to do. Well, I may have just opened up a door for a lot, but uh, Damien is here, and brother, thank you. We love you. I think so. Am I on? All right. Excellent. Okay, so the pastor said it's, okay, so it's 10.53 right now. You said get them out before 2. <laughs> I promise you that we'll be out by 2, the absolute latest. But uh, anyways, uh, my name is Damian Pickett. This is my wife, Ruth Ann Pickett. And uh, you saw our son. He, he, he didn't leave. He was just asked to go into Sunday school. Um, usually that's my wife leaving in the middle of it. Uh, she's already heard me enough times. But, uh, <laughs> but anyways, uh, we are church planters in England. I, I like actually saying that we're church planters um, because that's what we do. That's what we, and, and I know missions can take a lot of different things, different views, but our goal is to see churches planted. And uh, uh, when every, uh, when every, let's see, every week, two churches close down in England and one mosque opens up. That's about the statistic. 
Um, but that's okay. I mean, you know, don't, oh no, mosques, don't worry. There's a reason why the church is closed. People just don't believe. They're atheists. And, uh, you know, uh, do you know the difference between a lost atheist and a lost Muslim? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Except that actually the Muslim's easier to witness to. And that's the truth. I've, I've been able to actually have serious conversations about the gospel. And I've, I've never been turned away by a Muslim. Never. Never. Um, as a matter of fact, I've been invited back. I had this one gentleman. In, uh, his name is Ali. And Ali is from Egypt. Ali is a Muslim missionary. He's, uh, he's not a missionary to Muslims. He's Muslim, and he's evangelizing uh, Islam in, in England. And we've met enough times, and I've talked to him about the gospel. And, uh, and he now calls me his pastor, which, <laughs> which is great. I, I love him, and I've, I've told him I, I, uh, because he, he says, you know, we basically, uh, Muslims, Christians, we, we both believe Jesus is a great prophet. I said, well... Sorta. <laughs> I mean, Jesus is referred to in the New Testament as prophet, but it's also going even further that says he's not only the Son of God, but he's God the Son. He's God in flesh. He was worshipped. I said, you don't, you don't even. You, you said God has no son. You believe that uh, Jesus was never crucified; that he was um, replaced by a criminal, and he just looked like Jesus, and and uh, Allah uh, tricked. Uh, the crowd there, and so Jesus was never crucified. I, I said, th- there, there is the big difference. You know, if, if, yeah, Jesus, but the way we think about Jesus is completely different. Um, we have great opportunities in, in England. Um, we were in, in Canuck Chase, um, which is uh, considered an area of significant natural beauty uh, in, in the Midlands, and um, we were, uh, we, we had a, a little church. I mentioned this morning that John Wesley actually started that church like 200 and some odd years ago. And, uh, it's, it's, it's really cool. It's, it's cool to see a place where the gospel has so much history, but it's so sad because the gospel is gone. I hear every once in a while people say, you know, um, we kind of need to give up on missionaries in Europe because why should anybody hear the gospel twice when there's so many around the world that have never heard it once? I promise you, people that I come in contact with in England have never heard the gospel once. And... They're lost, but I'm telling you, there's lost people everywhere, everywhere I go. Everywhere I go, I'm I'm stunned by the people that are going into hell all the time. Stunned by it. Sobered by it. But we get used to it sometimes, though, don't we? I mean, honestly, we, we hear... I'm pretty sure we've heard messages about witnessing to people and, you know, we go, oh yeah, people need the Lord. And then we go out and we do whatever we're going to do for the rest of the day. Anybody guilty of that? Sure. And part of that issue is that we don't believe God. And I hope you're not sitting here saying, how dare you say that? I'm a born-again believer. I could tell you, you know, when I ask Christ to be my savior, Savior, of course I believe God. But I tell you that if you believed him, things would probably be different. <clears throat> Every once in a while, my wife would fly from England to, uh, well, to New York, actually, to visit her grandbabies. My grandbabies, but her grandbabies. Do you guys know the difference? It's her grandbabies. By the, by the way, her, her grandma nickname is Grammy. That's Grammy. I met, met a nanny or a nanny or... Nanny? Nana. Nana. <laughs> so close. 
And uh, my son, we, we actually had a cool conversation about that. Oh, I hear you guys talking. I'm Mimi. I'm this. I'm this. I hear it because that's the popular thing. My son-in-law said, what are you going to be? I'm like, I don't know. I never thought about it. Men, right? We don't think about it. We just are upset that our daughters have, are having children, right? <laughs> Very angry about that. I, I have some sneaky suspicions about certain things, and if, if I ever find out that they're true. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I'm like, I, I don't care. Well, my son-in-law, he's actually studying Arabic, and he says, he says Damien, I know what your grandpa name is going to be. I'm like, all right, what is it going to be? He says, well, in Arabic, kind of a slang way to say grandpa is Jedi. So you'll be known as Jedi. <laughs> I began to like that guy <laughs> on that day. And I, I am Jedi. As a matter of fact, oh, no, no joke. And uh, I just earned my master's degree. And uh, did they kick you out already? That's... That's impressive. <laughs> um, but uh, um, so I just earned my master's degree, and I was talking to my daughter on, on FaceTime or whatever, whatever it was. And, and, uh, and I said, by the way, uh, are there any Star Wars fans in here? This is such a good group. Amen. <laughs> good group. All right. Obviously born again. You know, <laughs> but uh, uh I said, I said, now that I have my master's degree, darling daughter, my grandsons now have to call me Master Jedi. <laughs> and she said, good luck with that. But thankfully, my little Padawans were in the back, and they heard that, and they heard that mom didn't like that. So I'm now Master Jedi. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's just beautiful, but... Uh, that's just a little bit about us. Pray for England, honestly. Uh, we talked a little bit about um, uh, the, the Holiday Bible Club, the Vacation Bible School that Dale came to to help. That was our first one. And, and, and it might sound really cool. Wow, you guys had two a day. That's only because the first one started with zero people. And so we had to move it. And then, and then but, but honestly, people began to see the vision and people come and then People came. It, it really was. Every once in a while, those pictures will come up. I, I remember right after we, uh, uh, um, do spiritual people ever get on your nerves? Because, like, honestly, I'm, I'm depressed. I'm all upset. I'm in my car. We're crying. You know, we, we go back in. People are singing Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider. I'm like, shut up. I just want to be miserable for a while. And, uh, but that was a great uh, spiritual uh, lift in my life. One of the young ladies that was there in the evening, and she wouldn't have come if it wasn't for the evening, but uh, her name's Lauren. She's saved. She's born again. And uh, um, she is, I mean, crazy on fire for Christ. And, uh, and the young man that she is currently dating is going to be a preacher. And uh, I, I'm not saying they're going to get married. But if my wife has anything to do with it, well, they'd be hitched already. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're, we, we try to be real spiritual. We're like, well, you know, just go ahead and get married now. You'll figure out how to love each other later. Just get married now. Amen? Right? Yeah. I mean, you guys are old enough to go, I thought I loved him. I wanted to murder him many times. But then the older we got, I loved him. At least that's my wife's theme. So, <laughs> but we're going to be... Uh, uh, we're going to be in the uh, book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. And um, a lot of times, I, I love coming in, I love seeing uh, missionaries being such a prominent part of this church and what this church does. I love that you guys um, don't just talk about it, you try to be active, you try to help them. And, and honestly, I, one thing that, that I love about Dale, and, and I, I think we're kindred spirits here, um, I'll try just about any approach, as long as it's not sinful. I'll try just about any approach. And if it doesn't work, okay, it didn't work. So what? But if it works, that's so cool. You have no idea how cool it is to be able to give women in full burkas the gospel track. I mean, we can't go to these countries, folks. 
So they come to us. Do you know how upset people get? Oh, this country's getting too many of those people from the Middle East. Well, praise the Lord. We can't take missionaries over there. So how else is God going to give them the gospel? They come over here. Well, I don't like that. Then witness to them. Amen? But we were, um, the, 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 uh, the first match was United States versus North Korea. Do you know what happens to people that have the Bible in North Korea? They're executed. We've got North Koreans begging for the gospel. And I just think about how many guys said, no, no. <laughs> Plus, we went to the match, which is also pretty cool. I know, we were, we were, we really were on TV. I had this big American flag. And, uh, but because we had some children, they actually sit the children in some of the best places, and we were right behind the goal to the left. And so any kind of action, you saw us with our flag, and it was great. I remember one person complaining that I got to do so much stuff. I said, well, they're still taking applications for missionaries. It's a dream. <laughs> Nothing but good times, I promise you. <laughs> Are we there? Are we there in 2 Corinthians chapter 8? Second, did I say something different? Because I hear a lot of pages being turned. Okay, listen, it, it is possible. All right, I could have said first chronicles and i'm really in second corinthians it happens to me does that happen to you okay good they're used to it so second corinthians chapter eight i want to talk so this morning i was talking about faith faith god speaks i listen and i obey completely despite the consequences and we just christians are known as a people of faith now listen i don't want anybody to have my faith my faith can be a little crumbly. I want people to have my Jesus. Do you guys understand the difference? You know, I don't want to share my faith. I want to share my Jesus. And I'm not trying to be pedantic with it. I'm just being as real as possible. And in a lot of churches that support missionaries, they practice something called faith promise missions. Is that, you guys heard of that before? Sure. Um, you know, and it, it, it's that you believe that the gospel's vital to be taken around the world. And I, I, I don't, I'm not trying to make this sound worldly, but you put your money where your mouth is. Right? I mean, if that is what you believe in, that's going to follow. I promise you, if there's a Buccaneer fan... They will be watching TV tonight at around 6.30. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but I do know that where we're living is like a mile and a half away from the stadium. And uh, no, no, we're not going to be anywhere near that mess. We're not <laughs> After here, we're going to go to some friends that live in North Tampa, and we're going to eat chicken wings. Uh, glory, amen. <laughs> Nothing else will bring a revival that will. Um, but... But listen, if, if you're a Buccaneer fan, if you say you're a Buccaneer fan, then this is what's going to get you. Does that make sense? If you say, oh, man, I love missions, then your feet will follow. Does that make sense? You get what I'm saying? If, if uh, you know, um, we've got to do whatever we can so people will get the gospel. Look, if you believe that, what you do next will tell what's coming out of your mouth if it's the lie or truth. Now, the Bible uh, refers to this type as grace giving. Grace giving. Now, I learned that grace, there's an acronym to grace, G-R-A-C-E, grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. And grace is when God gives me something that I cannot earn. Now, when we talk about grace giving, 
when you did, did like your, uh, do, do you guys do faith promise here? Okay. Sure, I get it. But remember, you're asking God, God, look, my, my income feels fixed. I need you to unfix it because I just want to send more money that way. But God, you have to do it. Do, do you, how many of you have ever prayed that way? Nobody. Praise the Lord. Well, let's start that. Um, when, we be, when we were just church members. Now, guys, I'm, I'm going to let you know something. I like holding on to my money. I d- don't. I'm being serious here. You know, don't judge me either because I see some of you like, yes, brother. <laughs> All right. I, I do. I, I like holding on to my money. My wife, she doesn't like me holding on to my money. Now, you might think that I'm a husband complaining, oh, she spends too much money on herself. I honestly wish that was the case. I, don't I tell you, go buy stuff. Go, go do it. Yeah, I'll still complain about it, but go. Um, I, I say that, and then when we're, if I ever get stuck at like a department store or something like that, I go, look, honestly, here's my card. Do whatever you got to do. Just leave me out of it. Let me go sleep in the car, please. And that is a, I think that's a good working relationship. Amen? That, that's good, right? There's nothing wrong with that. I'm, I'm all, and I'm not going complaining. I'm happy. I'm happy you're here, and I'm happy I'm not. When, so, but my, what my wife likes to do, she likes, she, you know, it, it's like if a, a gang of 10 people were to take us out for a meal afterwards, and I am depending on a meal afterwards, brother. But if 10 people were to go, <laughs> were to go um, my, uh, my wife would want to pay for all 10 of them. I'm like, baby, no. This is the time for them to buy us. <laughs> she doesn't like that. Now, I th- I, she's, she's learning just because I'm so stingy and tight with my money. So one time we were not missionaries. Uh, we were both um, teachers at a Christian school. And our church was raising money to get a new computer system so that they can have like online database of giving and people and blah, 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 whatever. And so uh, they asked people to give. And I was oh so spiritual about this. I counted the amount, and they said how much was going to be needed, and they gave out little cards so you can say how much you're going to give. And I was very spiritual. I knew we needed this amount of uh, money, and I counted how many families there were in the church. Right? And I said, if everyone does their job, 25 bucks each. But I know one of these schlubs aren't going to do it. I'll take up the slack, oh, praise me, and I'll do 50 bucks. Now, part of this was to impress my wife. Don't think I was very spiritual about it. I was not. Okay? Guys, honestly, I'm the worst missionary ever. I really am, but I'm just telling you how it is. So so I knew my wife would want to give too, and I knew she would want to give a large amount. So I decided to impress my wife. So before she could say how much we're giving, I was going to say how much we were giving. Okay? because I'm the man of the house. And she, she has, I, said, I said, baby, I know how much we're giving. And she says, good, so do I. <laughs> I said, well, the first number is five. And she says, yes, the first number is five. And I didn't want her to get like 59 or something like that. So I said, and the last number will be zero. And she says, yes, the last number is zero. I said, praise the Lord, 50. And she says, no, 500. Folks, I was a Christian. That was a Christian being a Christian school teacher in the nineties. Do you think we made five hundred bucks in a week? No. So, the Holy Spirit honestly said to me, "Your wife should not be going out on more faith than you." And so, again, in the most spiritual way possible, I said, "Fine, we'll starve to death, Lord." I'm not kidding. 
Yeah, it's not one of these great things where I decided to pray about it and I fasted and blah, blah. I didn't. I would, honestly, <laughs> I was like, fine, we'll just show that we're going to die. And once we're done with this nonsense, then I get control again. So I said, okay, 500 it is, dear. And I, I, I remember, I remember we passed the plates. We didn't have one of those boxes. Everybody knew that I was given something. So we were passing the plate by, and I had my $500 check in there, and I said, we're dead. <laughs> that's about, as, I promise you, that's as spiritual as it got. And doggone it, if the Lord didn't take such great care of us that month. And I'd love to say, money fell from heaven. You, you heard those testimonies? And I got a magical check in the mail. We didn't get anything like that. We, we just, it's just like God helped things to stretch a little bit more and things not to cost a little bit more. And I don't know how we did it because we didn't get any extra money. And we did it. And, and it's like God says, okay, if you can trust me with that, can you trust me with your life? I was a believer. But can I trust you to take my message where I tell you? See, that's grace giving because I didn't have it. But it's faith giving because I sure knew the prompting of the Holy Spirit. By the way, can I tell you a different cool story about money? Have you ever... I know not in this fine church, okay? But have you ever just had a time where you just felt like everybody was against you? Again, I know it's not here, okay? Because this is a great group. But have you ever felt that way before? Once or twice, okay. We have, and I remember we were in England, and I just, <laughs> I just wanted to be my family and me. And so we closed all the curtains. We turned off. I mean, there was a problem at church, and I just knew that somebody was going to assassinate me or something like that. And I'm not kidding either. <laughs> and and we, we just closed everything off, and we were watching some, I don't know, cool runnings or something, something very, again, spiritual. And uh, while we're watching this, England, England houses are very, very small. The bottom of our house was about how many square feet do you reckon? Less than 500 square feet, so... You hear noises, okay? And, uh, and so I heard something. Uh, right when you come in, there's a little well on the inside where you could stick one of those grass mats or something like that to wipe your feet, and you could replace it. Well, the dog had just done a wonderful thing on that, so we no longer had that there. So we just had concrete. And so I heard, very spiritual, like I said. And then we heard, I heard somebody put something in, and it slapped on that concrete. I was like, oh, great. So, but then I was really thinking, what if somebody's trying to kill us? What if it's a, you know, a bomb or something, all right? And I promise you, this is really what I'm thinking. So I'm like, all right, let me go check. And sure enough, it is a little plastic wrap package like this big, about that thick. And I was like, you guys stay in there, I'll take it. You know, I looked at it, and I felt it, and it was very, very floppy. Oh, what is this? So I, I opened it up, and it was a stack of 50-pound notes like that. Nobody, we, we, we weren't in one of those, those kind of churches where people just had stacks of 50s lying around. I, the only thing I could think of is a drug deal. Somebody put money in the wrong, wrong thing. <laughs> But I want you to know, it was, it was the Lord saying right there, look, you can trust me. <laughs> it wasn't a bomb. It was a gift and joy. In, in the book of 2 Corinthians, and let me, give you a, let me give you a little bit of history about two different groups. Can I do that, please? Corinth. Corinth was a very wealthy area. Corinth was known for a whole lot of things, but it was wealthy area because um, that's where there was a thin peninsula where instead of having to sail all the way around, they could actually carry the boats over much cheaper, much faster. And the pirates, uh, the pirates, the, uh, the sailors would, 
would spend some time and some money in the area. And so Corinth was known as a great place of trade, a great market, a great point. So they were kind of wealthy. And then you have another group called the Macedonians. Now, the Macedonian churches were mainly made up of slaves. Okay? Do we get that? Slaves. Just curious, how much does a slave make? Not a whole lot, right? Now, one other thing I want you to know that actually Roman time slaves, they were able to keep some of the money if, I mean, it was, it was normal that they were, and they would save it up to get their children out of slavery, their wives out of slavery, then themselves out of slavery, okay? So we have that just kind of basic history there. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it says, Moreover, brethren, in other words, hey, you people at Corinth, you people that, um, that and, and let's face it, uh, what did Rockefeller say when he said, somebody asked him one time, how much money is enough? Just a little bit more. You know, I, I remember when I thought the end-all, be-all of life was a 32-inch TV. <laughs> Whew, remember those big old things that weighed a million pound, uh, pounds? Yes, pounds. Yeah. Um, and, and, and now you wouldn't be caught dead with one. I know some of you are like, I still have one, and it has a VCR, thank you very much. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, the... We, we have a lot of money. Do you know that? We really do. We really, really have a lot of money. I mean, we've got, we've got phones. Phones that cost a thousand bucks. And they work great, and we try to figure out how can we get rid of this thousand dollar phone to get another thousand dollar phone. Don't we? You know, we, 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 we do. I remember when I was a kid for Christmas, I got a Star Wars action figure hidden in underwear. You know, the underwear was the gift, but the action figure softened the blow. <laughs> right? Because what you got at Christmas was things that you needed. Not anymore. And, and I'm not saying anybody's spoiled. I'm just saying it's different now. We don't always recognize it because we're right in the middle of it. But man... We got more money than we think we do. We're a lot like the people in Corinth. And it says, brethren, people at Corinth, we want you to know of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. He says, and by the way, they're about to take up a big offering. He says, before we do this, I want you to know how God is working through the churches of Macedonia. Um. One of the, the blessings of our church in England, we don't just have a church in England. We actually send uh, out a, uh, we have a mission agency out of our church um, called MAM, and it goes to uh, India. And uh, I have, uh, I've, I've met people who have, who were in the high priest class, became Christians. They became outcasts. They were kicked out of, of their families were given nothing. They were just on the streets. And when you are just on the streets in India, there is nothing higher than just the street. There's not a way to get back. It's done. And you have people that gladly gave up their life in the highest class possible and became less than a pauper for the gospel. There's a gentleman, a uh, and, and we have to be very careful with the way we, we do missions in India because we don't want the Indian missionaries to become dependent on Western funds. Okay? It, it'll ruin them. And there was, there's a gentleman, and th by the way, there is, uh, oh, oh gosh, Osira? Does that sound like a place in India, Osira? Yeah, I'm close to it if, if I got it wrong, but... Um, they still kill Christians over there. And this one, one gentleman surrendered to go. He says, I'll go. 
And my family's going to come with me. By the way, when he goes, he has no money. How he survives is by people giving him a little bit of their own rice. Okay? And he says, I'll go, but could you do me a favor? I don't want my family to get typhoid. Can we get a well? I mean, when, when you hear somebody that's willing to give their life and their family says, yeah, we'll go. It makes us kind of wonder here in, in, in our Western society, do we even know what sacrifice is anymore? I mean, I, I told you the story where I tried to sacrifice 500 bucks and it, I, I wasn't able to. But I'm telling you, there are people that sacrifice and I mean, when they sacrifice, their only hope is looking up. Or they'll just go without a meal or a few meals. You know, that's how the early church survived. They would take turns eating. I know Joel Osteen, he doesn't quite get that because we're all prosperity. But true Christianity is one of suffering and hardship. And he tells the people at Corinth, he says, look, before we give, I really want you to know what God has done through the churches at Macedonia. How that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and deep poverty abounded unto the riches of the liberality. He says, these slaves were poor. And they, were, they weren't just poor. <laughs> and it, you have people that are poor and people that are dirt poor. You guys, you guys heard? <laughs> yeah, I know. Some of us grew up dirt poor. Amen? That's all right. He says, these people were in deep poverty. But through the abundance of their joy and deep poverty, they heard how there was an a collection being gathered to minister to the Jewish people that had suffered a terrible earthquake and famine. Excuse me, famine. I don't think this one was with the earthquake. This is famine. And anyways, the apostle said, if we can get them food and things like that, we sure can also give them the gospel. You guys ever done something for people that were suffering? And you're hoping you want to minister to believers, but you really want to give out the gospel? So what's going on? And so, and so they were very excited to do this, but they had a problem, and that was their deep poverty. But this abounded unto their riches of their liberality. They were very wanting to give. They were looking for ways to give. I, I can be selfish. I can look for ways not to give. I'm sure I'm the only one in this place that feels the same way. And we look for opportunities to kind of hide and, and, uh, and reasons why we can't. But these people, they were so poor, they were saying, God, show us something. We want to be involved in this ministry. We want to see something from here reach people way over there. And so it says, verse 3, For to their power I bear record. Yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of what? Themselves. It's kind of an interesting phrase there. So what had happened very simply was this. These were poor people. Do you remember I said, though, sometimes they got money? Remember I said these slaves got money in Roman times? And do you remember what they used the money for? To buy their freedom. So these believers said, you know what? We do have some money. We have some money that could get our son out of bondage. 
And there's a whole lot of people on the other side that are in bondage too. And so they realized the only money that they had was money to release them from their physical chains. And there had to be some real adult conversations going on. That if they were to give, it didn't simply mean, well, you know, things were going to be lean for a little bit. It meant that somebody wasn't going to be free again. And I know sometimes we give teenagers a hard time, but I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, and you know this too, Dale, that, that when push comes to shove, some of the greatest believers are some of our teenagers, and they will, they'll do what is necessary. And I'm pretty sure these families had to have some very serious talks with these teenagers and say, listen, do you know the money that we've been saving? Yeah. Yeah. Probably about another 18 months. Well, an opportunity's come up. And they need money over there to take the gospel. Do you see why that kind of decision isn't a light decision? Do you see that? Do you see why when we hear stories about missionaries in India and throughout the world where they actually give up their lives, that we are the most ungrateful fools when we no longer allow those stories to affect us and we just walk on thinking everything's okay? Because quite frankly, Christianity is a culture club to some of us. We like our comforts. We li- I, I like my comforts. Don't get me wrong. But when you see what people are giving, when these Grecian families, when these Macedonians said, as a family... The teenager said, look, if it'll cause somebody to get the gospel over there, I'll gladly give up my liberty. That's not easy, folks. And Paul's saying to this church at Corinth, he says, Corinthians, before you start taking up your offering, I want to tell you first what's happening in Macedonia. That their offering is something that they haven't taken lightly. As a matter of fact, it has cost them their lives. It has cost them their freedom. It has literally kept them in shackles. Now I want you to imagine this. Pastor, I want you to imagine. Somebody comes up to you. And says, um, Pastor, I've sold my home, I've sold my car, I've cashed in all the insurance, and I'm literally going to be homeless. I'm going to live in a tent. But I want you to have all this and, and do something with the gospel. You hear that? It'd be hard to accept that. It'd be r- Wouldn't it be hard? I mean, somebody says, look, I'll give up everything here. Just take it. Look. By the way, my wife says sometimes when I get excited about something or intense, I look very angry. I'm not angry, okay? Look in verse 4. He says, praying us with much entreaty that we would take, that we would receive the gift. When these Macedonian believers said here, here. He says, wow, this is a lot. Then they realize where they got it from. And the, it seems like the very first thing out of Paul's mouth was, no, 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 this is too much. And they had to beg Paul, praying us with much entreaty 
to receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. These believers not only made the choice, but then they had to beg Paul and the missions team to take it. Have you ever given something like that? Have you ever made that choice that you are going to do something that God has prompted your soul to do? And you look for opportunities to do it. And it was such a serious thing that people told you, look, stop being crazy. That was the most insane thing that these Macedonians could do. But they did it very simply because they counted the lives of lost souls more important than their physical freedom. Verse 5, and this they did, not as we had hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Do Do you see how all that goes together? Look, Could you imagine if we went to Haiti and we said, um, we mentioned that there was a need, that there was going to be some uh, evangelistic campaign that we were going to do in Sarasota. And the people of Haiti, the poor people of Haiti, just sold everything they could and raised hundreds of thousands of dollars. And you know they can't afford it. You know something is off here. And you find out that it has actually caused them so much pain, but they wanted to do it because they wanted the people in Sarasota to hear the gospel. Now the question then comes, so what are we going to do? And that's the question asked to the Corinthians. What are you going to do? The bar has been set by the Macedonians. They've given their own lives for the gospel. They've given everything they possibly could so the gospel could go. Now, Corinthians, what are you going to do? As a matter of fact, and and I'm almost done. What what time are you almost done? Say 1130. Huh? All right. who, Who wants me to stop? Raise your hand. Sorry, kids, you're out of luck, buddy. All right. Second Corinthians 9, for as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. You guys know, you guys are such good givers. For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia. He says, oh, by the way, these Macedonians have already bragged what you're going to do. I come from a a Jewish mother, okay? This is good Jewish guilt right here. Paul's doing it right and proper. He says, I boast to you of them in Macedonia and Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has provoked many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting... Of you should be in vain. He says, I've already bragged about you guys. I hope it's not in vain. I hope you're ready. But look what verse 4 says. Happily, lest happily, if they of Macedonia come with me. On the day that they're going to collect. These these people who literally gave their lives, they're also going to come with Paul, and they're, they're going to be the ones with the, the offering bags coming down the aisle. Whew. I think I might have a tummy ache. I, I might not be able to be there for that. And when you are aware of their sacrifice, and you look them in the eye when you give, are you able to say, praise the Lord, brother, we're together? When we talk about sacrifice that we're doing, and listen, and I'm going to tell you something. I've talked to people. People in India, they want you to live and have a great life. But there's such a great need of the gospel that they're asking, is there any sacrifice we can do together? 
There is such a need for the gospel to get out. The question is, can we do a little sacrifice for it? We say missions is so important, and I know it is. But what if we blank? What if those people were not just stories? What if those people that you've heard uh, about from other missionaries who have sacrificed, who have given their own lives, their own children, what if they actually came to a service like this and they were the ones that would take up a missions offering? Would that change your heart at all? It shouldn't. Because we should already be there. But if you're like, oh, I'm feeling kind of guilty. Look, I don't want guilt. If it's conviction of the Spirit, believe it, own it, and do something about it. Amen? And we'll have faith promise giving, and we'll have grace giving, not in name only. But in something that will somewhat compare to the one who gave absolutely everything so others could live. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for for this church. I thank you for the congregation. They've been very kind in me going a little bit over. But Father, I ask God that your spirit would continue to speak. That, Father, in areas that need to be changed, move, conviction, God, that you would just do something there. And that, Father, we would not make a human decision for those things rarely last longer than what it takes to get out the front door. But, Father, it would be all for Jesus we surrender. And all to him we freely give. Not out of guilt but because you're worthy. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.